Hello, welcome back to episode 6 of the Norton Hales Cricket Club podcast. We're still live from the annual Christmas walk and masses of people in attendance who've just come past Paul Parton's second stop. And I've been joined by a club friend, family friend and local cricketing nemesis for most, Mr Alex Thorley. Hello Alex. Hi Simon, how are you? I'm very good, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Very good. Have you done anything uh, particularly spectacular? I know you've been to New York recently. Uh, yeah, I went to New York in October. That was uh, good fun. Went to watch a bit of NFL. Uh, just over Christmas, just with the family. A few drinks, a lot, lot of turkey. It's been very good, thank you. How, how was yours? Nice and quiet, no, no work. Uh, over Christmas, you've been difficult trying to find something to do, keep yourself occupied. As it says, the devil makes work for idle hands, that sort of stuff. So, um, just keeping myself busy. So, what I want to try and do with today's podcast is talk about, we both grew up in the same sort of cricketing setup at Longton, um, and kind of went through the similar sort of coaching systems at a, at a different point. Um, so what the angle I wanted to try and take was really just to try and talk about um, coaching on the whole, uh, the development of youth and sort of where cricket could potentially take people on a social scene, that sort of stuff, really. So, um, we'll, we'll we'll get the thing out of the way. You are commonly known as Pank. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a various stories around where that nickname comes from. Yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to tell the the official truth on this? Um, well, I was na- I was nine playing an under 11s game, um, and my my dear old father was um, was umpiring. I think it was at mid off. Uh, got a ball smacked at me, should have caught it, didn't, and he just hit me straight in the belly. Being the dramatic nine-year-old that I was, I fell over, rolled around on the floor, crying my eyes out. My dad came over and said, is everything all right, Al? I just said, I'm okay, Dad, but the ball's just hit me in the pancreas. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been, I know the pan- pancreas, all sorts, yeah. Okay, well, you've never changed over the years, it's still, still dramatic in, a, in as pleasant a way as possible. Um, so back to the sort of like the, the, the coaching regime. What what are your sort of main memories of sort of being your junior, um, growing up? What were the main sort of attributes, the main qualities, the things that sort of attracted you to the game? I know um, your old man was massively into cricket, and your brother Nick played at the time. But other than that, what was the sort of main attributes that really sort of drew you to cricket? Uh, well, uh, the first thing was my dad. Um, he played quite a lot around the area. Um, he was a paid player for a long period of time, so I used to sort of go to cricket with him. Um, when I started, where I started playing at Longton, we had a, a very good coach, young know Simon, named Mick Womble, mm-hmm. uh, very well known around the area, and he sort of instilled in everybody that you just about, about being a hard-faced cricketer, really. And I think that's that's been the sort of identity of Longton for probably the past 15, 20 years, because that transcended all the junior teams and into the senior teams that you played hard cricket sometimes maybe a bit too hard and you went a little bit too far um, but hard nosed cricket and you didn't give an inch uh, and that's pretty much stuck with me all the way through yeah yeah I th- that's pretty much the same I think the, we had a chat with Ballers uh, back in episode 3 talking about how cricket is a, a great um, character builder good at building thick skin and things like that and it's kind of uh, for, for me, my memories of Mick were very much similar, but also, you know, he was play hard, play fair, um, and very much on and off the field was the two different sort of sets of arenas, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Mick, Mick, Mick was just a uh, tyrant's probably the wrong word, but he, he definitely, everyone knew he was the boss, and 
what he wanted from you, he basically got from you. Um, uh, after that, we had a after Mick sort of left and he went on his own path. We uh, a lovely bloke named Steve uh, Steve Oakes uh, mm -hmm. took over. Uh, just a fantastic bloke. Um, knew his cricket. His son was a very good player, uh, and he was he, he's he's my the main reason why I ended up playing for so long, especially at Longton, because he just he gave so much, and I think. Uh, the group of lads I played with certainly we all respected him a lot for the fact that he was putting so much time and effort in with us. Um, he was just a, just a fantastic bloke, uh, and, and obviously he had, he had some help from my dad and a few other parents as well. So that was that was a bonus. Yeah, brilliant. Right, we're gonna have to negotiate this style just as we uh, go through. We've got everybody catching us up. Alex is gonna have to pick Lola. For those of you that don't know, is Alex's uh, Dalmatian. Uh, good throw, Al. <laughs> uh, we just heard all this. Negotiate this. Why it's all. Okay. Style safely negotiated. So, just going back to, to Steve Oaks. Um, having known Steve for a while myself, I think what we're saying in terms of what we've said previously, obviously, volunteers. Uh, the sort of the local uh, unsung heroes really of local cricket because as much as cricket is great from a developer because of the amount of time you spend around the game it also takes up a lot more volunteers time than, than other sports as well and um, <coughs> I know Longton for, for a long period of time and I've not been involved in the club for 15-16 years was very much a case of there's a lot of those volunteers around really and I think Fast forwarding into your your adulthood, um, that's one of the things that you sort of. If I was to decide, you know, away from all the banter and friendship and jokes, that's one of the key things I would say is your attributes as being a club member. Really, is you're very good at getting involved. You love your little beer festivals and yeah, all that sort of stuff. I mean, is that is that the main sort of thing you're looking to to instill really? As a role model, or I think, like again, just from when I when I grew up, my dad did a lot of you know social events, and uh, there's people around me that I respected a lot of obviously did. And I've always just thought that that's what a, a club member should do. I've been very fortunate that you know I've been I've been paid to play a bit of cricket and stuff, and I've always thought that you know you should you should give back as much as you can and make the club that you're playing at the, the best it can be. If that's through raising some funds, fundraising, social events, you know, like we're on a, a walk now, which will raise some money for Norton, which is brilliant. Um, you know, anything, anyone, that any, anything that anyone can do, do it because you know any idea, you know, it, it turns into it turns into brilliant events like this brings the, the whole the Norton community together. And it's just you know, fantastic, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Uh, I haven't gone back to the club and done the count, but I would definitely say there's well in excess 120, 130 people today uh, on the walk, ranging from kids to people that I've never seen at the club before. I've been involved in the club for the last four years, and, you, and you're quite right in terms of fundraisers for clubs uh, and playing uh, or paying cricketers uh, is one of the top current topics. Um, and without the fundraising that the clubs do, then they a, can't be paid, and basically the facilities, the amazing facilities, I have to say, 
um, that are around the league at the moment can't continue to be enhanced um, to create a, a hotbed for junior cricketers really and I think um, you're quite right there's many weird and wonderful different fundraisers you can find vastly important so let's talk about the current times then. Um, you're at Blythe uh, good first season last year yeah brilliant uh, obviously I moved always really wanted to, to have that sort of responsibility. Uh, I'm a yeah, level two coach and I've coached a lot of staff and cheering at long to place in other clubs. I just thought it was a really good opportunity for myself. Um, within the team, the first team, we, 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 we overachieved and I think we all knew that but we had a fantastic season. So we were very lucky to uh, have probably the best pro in the league in terms of an all-rounder with Jabat Khan. Um, got somebody who's averaging 60 and taking you know, three wickets a game it makes it a lot easier on the rest of the team. Um, but we had some you know we, we had some really good players with Chris Beach, Charlie Cheslock, Chris Plant. Um, so it was it was a good team setting. Um, this year it'll be yeah we've had a couple of people leave us this season in the off season so this next year will be interesting. We've got the signing under our Well, I'll officially withdraw my name from under that hat, so it's definitely not me. Um, <laughs> couldn't afford you. Ah, you couldn't, mate, to be fair. You couldn't. Um, looking back at sort of, um, one, of the, one of the players, obviously, that's gone out of the club this year, obviously, the Sentinel publicist, so it's no, no secret, obviously. Matt Goodwin, obviously, spearhead of your, your ball on the tap last year. Is that create a bit more of an opportunity for yourself? For me, definitely, yeah. Um, you know, Matt's a good friend of mine. So when he sort of said he was leaving, I was gutted because I enjoyed playing with him last year. He's a good mate and always will be. Um, but I also thought, you know what, it's not too bad for me. I was didn't probably get the overs I deserved last year because because Matt Matt bowled so well and things like that. You know, where sometimes I'd bowl, get a wicket, and then sort of the time was for Matt to come back on to try and clear up the tail and whatnot. So my overs were quite limited, so I'm hoping for, hoping for a few more this year. No, no, good. Um, we, you mentioned obviously Jalap being uh, a good pro. Uh, barbed wire fence, we'll uh, negotiate this, go the other way around. So we mentioned obviously Jalat. We did a, uh, a podcast with Longy talking about the effects of a, a very enthusiastic and um, ambitious uh, professional and having played against Jart a couple of years whilst he was at Road Park he's definitely a fierce competitor uh, and obviously we played against him in the Cup last year as well um, what, I mean you've played with quite a few pros um, and we've played in the same team and what's what do you think makes Jalat so diverse what's, what, what makes him so special what makes him successful I just think his, uh, his attitude to the game. I think some pros that I've seen when they come and play is that oh, it's league cricket on a Saturday, it doesn't particularly matter, and they'll play 
they'll play their way and go and, and try and hit it for six every ball and things like that. Where do you like just you knew he cared about trying to win the game for you, which is what all we wanted. As you said, he was an extremely tough cricketer. He'd take he'd take anybody on and wouldn't particularly care. Um, obviously, in, in the right way, he never went overboard. Yeah, just going to get under this. Fence. Yeah, barbed wires. Alex, as you know, is a unit. Watch your jacket, mate. Jacket down. Oh, hang on. Big on. Bum down. Bum down. Yeah. Watching a six foot seven. Watching a six foot seven. You trying to negotiate a barbed wire fence. Always entertaining. Now it's my turn. I get down. Come on, do roll. Oh, running nice and safe. Good. Good listening. Oh, it is. Two fat blokes trying to get under a fence. Right. Okay. So. So, obviously, fierce competitor. Yeah. Um, looking around the leaf for next year, as we talk about what lives, hopes, and things. You've played in the Premier League over, what, a 10 year period now, would I say? Yeah, yeah. Over a 10 year period. Obviously, we had a short period of time together at Boston. What's your opinion on the current state of the, the North South South Cheshire Cricket League Premier League? I mean, it's been away from it. Back. I think it's as it's competitive as ever. Um, you know, every every game seems to be um, you know, highly competitive. Two teams wanting to beat each other. Um, I think in previous years, just two or three important teams to beat. Just uh, just a mammoth club in terms of size and what they sort of bring to the table, but. It's, it's it's good. It's nice in the Premier League because there's, the, the rest of the the rest of the team seems to be quite well matched. So Meekins are uh, uh, quite you know, a decent side with the with the players that they have and things like that. But everyone else seems to be quite well matched. So it's just like I say, we we played so many games this year where you know we played Leeds two times, Checkley. It were just really close games. Could have gone either way. Uh, and, you know, and that's that's what you, that's what you play cricket for. I think the worst thing for me sometimes is when you get these one-sided drummings. It's like you know, two fifty plays seventy all out. It's just, it's just not a game of cricket to me at all. Um, I think the good thing about the Prem is you're there because you sort of deserve to be. It's yeah. not like uh, if you take if you take a team like maybe Bagnall Lords when they were. They had a ridiculous side when it was division when they were in division three. Yeah. So I imagine teams two playing against them. It's been much fun. <laughs> well yeah. I mean, back in the last year, I mean we, we take great pride in the fact that we were only the team to beat them in the league last year. Um first game of the season. And you could tell they were up for it. I think from our point of view we didn't perform on key things, I think availability is one of our key factors and really just making sure the key consistent, but you know they've got you know Asperaza, Greg, Dutt, um, just to mould, well consistently perform for them last year, and, um, and that's what what clubs need really. Um, I mean, looking forward to uh, the season ahead as well. Um, I mean, Blythe seem like quite an ambitious club. Um, is there any sort of any plans of, of development that, that you can share with us? Uh, well, I don't have to share with you, but I'll share them anyway. Um, in, in the middle of the sort of finer field across the road, which is I think it's going to be developed in 
to hopefully a second cricket pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously the new changing rooms are being built by RNG joiners, little plug for you there Rob. Um, Rob Ginders, the man, the legend. So yeah, I think they'll be good every time in time for the new season. It's just, it's just a good place to be at the minute, there's a lot of positivity. Gets out of the way. Full steam ahead, the yeah, countdown starts. And then full steam into the season, it's going to be good. Oh, good. Okay, well, you, you mentioned full steam into the season. Obviously, your role a head coach at Blythe. Um, Blythe, uh, I'd say a bit further down the road in, of us in terms of development of their junior section. As head coach, what, what are the key factors and what are the key sort of targets and objectives that? you're setting out not just for yourself but the other coaching members and the juniors alike really. Um, I, th I think when I went to Blythe I was very very keen on having having our own identity in terms of how we play cricket and probably took a little bit from Mick Womble's page in terms of trying to get the kids to just be a little bit harder in terms of the way they play cricket and I think some of them thought it was like, yeah, Turn up at Jolly, have some biscuits and some juice, and I tried to, you know, to realise that they're, they're a lot better than that. Um, I think towards the end of the season, especially the, the teams that, that I was looking after, we went on a really good run. I think our under tens won five for the last six. And, yeah, I think towards the back end of the season, we saw some real improvements. We can't can't beat Parental in, in Goldberg at all because we, that, we, we've had 10 or 15 more volunteers uh, which it just eases everybody into people doing jobs, you know, people working at the bar, people doing um, fundraisers. You know, if you've got, you've got 10 or 15 people who want to help out, it's, it's, it's a massive bonus for you. Uh, and that's what we're, we're going to keep trying to work on in the winter. A couple of, hopefully, 10 or 15 new members. So I'll go into local primary schools and uh, advertise the training that we'll be doing and just keep going from there. Yeah, yeah, no, good. Sounds like good objectives because you've, you've got to try and do a bit of all, you've got to build organically, haven't you? I think that's the, the key thing because the junior sections is a community. And if, you know, you've got people in there for the wrong reasons and too many people or not enough people trying to do too much work obviously you end up spreading yourself a bit too thin um on that note then obviously you've been you know been friends of norton for a while obviously good friends with simon line and, and myself mike and, and obviously quite a few other members what are the the positive traits that that you see coming out of norton at the moment and things that you think that we potentially should be trying to maximize the opportunity on um, I mean, first, the thing that's always struck me, and 
I've been very close to signing for Norton a couple of times. I think the fact that signing line plays here is the reason I haven't signed yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's the main reason a lot of people don't sign. Uh, but yeah, continuing that on, one, walking through a bit of a bog here at the moment, so if you're in squelching, that's uh, all it is. Yeah. I think the community feel is um, is, is the main thing. Very warm atmosphere. Uh, nice set of people, always welcoming, always got a beer on. Uh, it's just it's good to see. Yeah. Um, right, we're just going to postpone this. So if you hear some squelching and some noises, we're about to. Um, I'll come back to you as part two as we're about to go over. I suppose it's supposed to be a stream, but it's more of a bog. See you in part two. Welcome back to part two. We've safely negotiated the bog whilst on the Norton and Ales annual Christmas walk. Uh, I'm joined by Alex Storley, club friend, family friend, uh, local league cricketer, an all-round top bloke. I know some of you might not agree with that, but he is my opinion that counts, that's all. So we were just talking before about, um, before we got rudely interrupted by the bog, about what opportunities you see for Norton based on the knowledge of the club and the people that are currently operating within it. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about the juniors and I know that's been a hot topic of conversation for the committee. I was uh, very fortunate to be at the presentation the event. Obviously, the facilities are improving and and different things as they move forward. I think knowing what you know about our what we have in the stable in terms of players and your assessment of the season ahead, where what sort of objectives or Mark he's not around, so he won't punch you in the arm. What what sort of uh, where where do you see Norton next season? Where, where do you think we? Should be punching towards. Well, I thought this. I mean, I thought this. You know, you, you had potential for the side that went up, and I think changing the captain mid-season is probably never a good idea. But I don't understand why Mike felt the need. He needed fresh direction. Uh, obviously, Jack's now to take over. I just think if you can get a settled side. person has a, a barnstorming day then that's usually all you need. Well yeah I mean if you look at it from a point of view if you I mean works out you need in division two we work out about 12-13 games yeah. to win to go up in one of those top two slots. So you're looking for your match winners between you to to win you those games aren't you? So yeah. where they're divvied up is 
something up to negotiation and really where responsibility comes in and that's what I suppose me the first Chris, the first team Chris is about is taking that responsibility yeah. leading by example not waiting for the next guy in the hutch to, to do it for you or you know I think, I think that's the one I mean I you know a lot of people look at stats and things like that and I just think stats at times can be misleading I think you can be you can get a really good 80 and not potentially win the game for the team but you could get a, a 30 40 and you could be the game winner yeah it could really hurt so if you're scoring at five six seven and over um not the confidence of another you know main bowler on the side knock them offline and length you know you you're altering the course of the game and the way you want it to pan out really and i think that's the that's the key thing and making sure there aren't many selfish cricketers in the ranks at Norton you won't see anybody playing for a red ink they're more likely to have the red in the sky looking towards a 12 rather than a 6 I mean that, 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 that bit of freedoms because you know, I think we forget sometimes that we it's still essentially a one day game you know 55-55 you do have to have a little bit of little creative flair otherwise you know, the game just goes I think I think sometimes there is there's a, definitely some some part and place for you know a dog is 30 off 100 balls when the situation dictates but I think the good thing what uh, Finch Captain Blythe always says is you know go out and play your game if you feel it's there to hit go and hit it you know we want as many runs as we can and we don't really set ourselves you know let's get let's get 150 and try and bowl them out we let's get as many as we can you know and sometimes that you'll fall on your face you'll be 70 for 7 and think oh god here yeah, what have we done here but i think more more often than not be having that positive that positive mentality which norton have got you know i've watched norton enough times to see that yeah i've seen a lot of your school cards as well it's always interesting reading uh, you know 10 for three and then you 200 for three and things like that you know it's always uh, i think it's the way to play especially in this league I think you, you get a lot out of cricket if you're positive and you go with that mentality. Well, it comes back to the scoreboard pressure, doesn't it? Obviously, runs are a big thing, and you know we've always said when we when we're looking target opposition, who who are we looking to sort of put a stranglehold on, or who are we happy to sort of operate on their own way? Because there's certain people that, as you said, will have good stats, but they won't necessarily come back and hurt you, so to speak. Um, and it's just one of those things that, you know, you just got to your mark and have a strategy and a game plan in place, really. Uh, and at the end of the day, whether you get paid or or not, uh, ultimately for the vast majority of the people that are playing, you know, you've got to play with a smile on your play face because that's what you, you've looked forward to all week. Yeah. You know, we all work stupidly long hours, um, which obviously has a negative effect on the amount of people playing cricket there's the time involved but at the same time you've got to you've got to play with a smile on your face because we all enjoy it I think, as, it's, as I think it's especially important but even when you, you know you know, I'm paid as a coach now so I don't want to even call myself a player a player but you I think it's, it's, it's the example that those paid players set you know we're very lucky that you know when we've got Gillat and Matt last year he went out and batted with with such freedom and he went and took the attack to a lot of bowlers 
Um, I think when you see your paid guys doing that, you feel that that's the way to go for you as well. You know, I think uh, if you've just got someone who's there, you know, getting in behind it and blocking out for it, it's, it's not that. I think that dictates how the rest of the side play as well. well it puts them under, put under pressure, doesn't it? It makes start thinking, hang on, is it really that bad out there? And, you know, it breeds confidence, and that's what leadership comes from. You know, that's what you. You want from your paid players, you want leadership and I say leading by example really. Okay, now knowing you as I do, I'm gonna be massively disappointed if you start shirking these questions. We tried to do this with a few of the Norton lads. Longy dodged this as well. So we'll uh, we'll try it with you. So the way the game plays is um, we start off with best overseas professional that you played against. Yeah. Uh, played against Oh. Put me on the spot here. I wish you'd give me a bit of notice. No, I, then does he? I think for me, because he always got me out because I tried to probably put him on the moon. The Naira Bass. I think because uh, when in his sort of heyday at Nipersley, I think that you know the, the wickets that he played on as well. He was just at times unplayable as a bowler, and then obviously he was a, a very destructive batsman as well. I think uh, he's got a couple of hundreds against teams I've been playing for. And he was, uh, you know, his final year at Nipe, I don't think he was fully fit. Yeah. Um, he was a little bit easy to play against, but he was, uh, he was a different gravy, I think, when he was when he was on form. Yeah, okay. Well, I agree with that. I've always got a bit of a grab about Naira Bass. I remember 2004, I had a season at Leek. Stasco semi-final, Naira Bass. Left-hander, pitch his middle and off, shaping back, left it first nut. Umpire said it was missing leg, never in a million. Went and got 70 odd, I wasn't very happy, but yeah. I think the first great class the, player. The, the first sort of overseas I played against, and he he, he really, well, I'm not impressed me, I was only 18, so I didn't really know what was going on, but he was Fazley Akbar at Port Hill. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't particularly quick, but he just had it on a, on a, on a string. And, 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 he, and he, he, I tell you what, he, had, he bowled the heavies nuts. I remember playing against him at, uh, we were all stage when we played him in the. Um, Talbot Cup that year yeah. um, on a Sunday orange ball yeah you just, you, I've never seen a pro that can make it go both ways on, on a whim and then if you thought you were getting used to it we'd just find an extra 10 mile an hour heavier nut somewhere so I'll get that one okay then so you've had them um, who's best one you played with in terms of in terms of stats I don't know I can look past your last uh, I was very fortunate to play with Nathan, Nathan Astle for two years, don't know if I've ever mentioned that. Um, <laughs> Did you win the Premier League once? Maybe as well, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, but Nathan was, uh, you know, for me personally, sort of took me under his wing, uh, instilled a little bit of belief in me. Morning Rolly, we're just uh, walking past the club chairman, we'll be getting you on the podcast soon Rolly, don't worry. Um, I think when, when Nathan first came to Longton I was... Uh, I was a 17 year old lad and it pretty much take myself that seriously. Still done. Even on the pitch, I think I just thought of it as a mess around and Nathan actually sat me down and just said, you know, you've got, you've got some ability, but if you're going to keep messing around, you won't ever sort of latch onto that ability. Uh, he, he, he took the bold move of moving into the first team and on debut, I opened the batting, which was, there you go. I played against the Jaff Shah at Burslem. Uh, I was, you know, say, say I was uh, 
I was shaking a little bit, but yeah, I dogged it out, got a little 40, and I dropped on two by Kev Mountford at the first slip, and then sort of went on from there. But it wasn't my most fluent innings, but Nathan really sort of tried to put some in belief into me. I think that's what an overseas should be doing. I think, yeah, he was, he was superb. He'd be there on junior training nights, senior training nights, and a few texts and say, oh, you have to go down to your mates and things like that, you know. He'd be all over it, he's just a, a brilliant bloke. In terms of in terms of performances, uh, a little bit biased because he lived with me, I suppose, but uh, Franz and me and when we had him at uh, Barlas was just uh, unbelievable. Some of his knocks, as you can imagine at Barlow, in tricky conditions, and he was just he was just the toughest little cricketer you've I've ever met in terms of how seriously he took the game and how he, he wouldn't take a backward step to anybody. Uh, you know, I remember batting with him at Betley at home and they had a, had a fairly big guy sort of he was hitting the deck and at Bronson got hit in the chest three times in, a, in, a, in an over. And, you know, he still made made a little 75 and just he was he was he was superb. Well, the thing is with Bronson, he was so short. I remember we played at Ashcombe Park that year and an absolute shit tip. Um, I think the second ball literally off a half volley it's in full bore on the face um, and he still went on to sort of grit it out and yeah. it remember me and you got a few that game yeah yeah so yeah yeah. Occasion, yeah yeah so I wonder why that one stuck in the mind yeah. um, so moving on in terms of um, from that so again Bronson he could tackle most things apart from an all week a week all inclusive in Tenerife yeah, I don't think any of us last year in Benidorm anyway, so... <laughs> we'll move on for that. Especially not me. <laughs> um, okay then. So, you, you mentioned a lot about paid, paid cricketers. Obviously, so they're not their overseas, they're not your pros. But these are the guys that you're looking to to lead by example and sort of throw hang your hat on, really. So, who's the best paid cricketer in the local league cricket you played against? Uh, this is probably a bit of a cheat, really, because... Oops. He's, uh, I think he's over in Pakistan playing first class cricket now. But I think um, as a ruler at Port this season was uh, was a was a cut above the rest really. He you know, fresh out of first class cricket, um, and he, he he bowled he bowled with skill and pace. And uh, you know, it was no 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 surprise that you know he was the leading wicket taker. And obviously Port ran away with the league. Um, he was he was he was a different gravy this year for me. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, we were, um, I didn't really get a chance to watch him that much, but we came to watch you uh, at Blythe against Port Hill. Yeah. Um, and at one point, well, not just one point for a long period of time, it looked like you guys were going to knock it off. You were yeah, sitting yeah. pretty, yeah. three or four down. Yeah. Um, I think Hesse um, gave one away to Ralphie, and then as soon as that happened, then it was. As a ruler, just deemed to sort of open up, open up proper end, and went went through really. You know, that that's what you want from from your professional, really. I think it's that's the perfect way to, especially bowling seconds. I know Alworth did that for years and years with Yazir. Uh, you know, you'd get to you'd see off his first spell, and you'd think you'd get to a position where you were you know, 70 for one, 70 for two, and he'd just come back on and, and blow you away with his second spell. You know, he was quicker on his second or third spell than he was in his first and as a, as a ruler did that a lot for Till as well along with you know their, their, their bowling attack was 
something dreams are made of with Cotto and, and, and Barker as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah, decent, decent. You're not, you're not really getting much yardage, are you? Um, okay, so best paid critter you've ever played with. Now, given the fact you played at Ballston, Longton twice, and Blythe, where we, I'm Modishal, where we, where are we going on this one? Best paid critter you've ever played with. I, I, I spoiled the choice, mate. Really, I think. Uh, in terms of again, I mean, he was classed as our pro. I think, but he was a he was an English-born player, cricketer. But Roger Sillins, again, the, the, not before he got fat. But <laughs> love you, Rog. Uh, but the first year he was at Longton, he was he was phenomenal. I mean, like I say, he was the reason we won the league. Don't know if I mentioned that one yet, but he was. Uh, um, him and Dave Edwards were a formidable partnership for us. Um, alongside you know, Pete Wilshaw, super batter, uh, great bloke as well. Uh, very fortunate to play with lads like Tom Taylor. Uh, yeah, he's, just, he's off to play county cricket now, and he's doing well. So it's been a good breeding ground. Uh, our, our area has, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially that sort of ST3 postcode area. Always been pretty cool. Okay, so best sheer amethyst. Somebody you know who's never got any brass, yeah. but turns up every week, thorn in your side. You know, not looking forward to playing against him. Are you thinking? It's a difficult one side because everyone gets paid now. Uh, <laughs> I can. Uh, I used to many moons ago, but I can 100 percent sure you. I don't. So go on. Best paid amateur. Uh, I said Jack Furnival. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Played against him a couple of months, so that might have been a gents match. But uh, he's definitely a fierce competitor. I can say that. Yeah. Some people do. It's too definitely on the. The wrong end of a, a Jack Furnival raging bull, yeah. which isn't a good sign. And to be fair, it strikes the ball pretty clean as well. So I think, I think what my cop out would be because I think he, he definitely probably used to get paid. I don't think he does anymore with Rich Cooper. Uh, well, yeah, he was, he was pro. He was pro for us at all stages. So I know he used to. But I, I think I don't think he, I think he's playing for the love of the game at Checkley with the with Carrie and the boys down there. But no, Coops is just. For me, always seems to get me out without. No matter what I do, I've tried to block him, to fudge him, to run at him. I think whatever I try and do against him, he seems to have my number. So I think uh, the thing with with Coops is just doesn't seem to age. Just you know, he's always he's not really sort of dimmed any pace. He's always been so tall. Yeah, I think just as that zip. You know, he's never necessarily been quick, but he's just. Bowls are sort of line and length that you just you can't really get at on the front dog. If you go back, you seem to you seem to not be playing it too well either. And then you know it, he always sang, it always hits me on the inside of the leg as well, which is always a killer. <laughs> but no, he's a, you know he's he's a top bloke and a, a seriously good cricketer. And again, the fierce competitor plays it the right way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but he, he won't back down from anybody, and you know, we've had we've had plenty of. Little, little words and stuff, but what I always love about Coops is he's there with a beer at the end of the game as well. You know, he's, he's a top gent. Yeah, exactly. That's essentially that's that's what it's all about. Okay, so come on then. Best club you've ever played with? There's never been paid. We should have known a bit more of an idea on this one. Best best players I've played with has not been paid. Yeah. Well, again, at long term, everyone was getting paid. Uh, <laughs> he's putting me on the spot. 
Uh, Jack Davis, I think I'd say. I think he, I think I don't think he gets paid. I have to check his bank balance for him, but he's, uh, <laughs> but no, he, he, Jacko when he was at Barlaston was, I think green would probably be the word, but he, he hit it a long bloody way. Uh, I know he moved, he made a step up to the Prem, went to Stone, really, really did well there. I think he's gone back to, back to the land of hope and glory now at Barlaston, but he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he was a very, very good player to play with. I mean, the options are limited, you know, Chris Plant, uh, you know, seriously good wicketkeeper batsman. You know, if he didn't have a glass back, I think he'd actually, he'd actually be alright, but he'd, uh, he's another one just a very tough, tough little cricketer, straight out of Scott Oliver School of Cricket. Um, just a, yeah, really, really top player. Yeah, good. So good old, good roundups there. So, um, so are you going to put yourself some clean targets on the board for the season you mentioned stats lie a little bit but we all live and die by them are you going to set yourself some some stats for the season just to hang on to your sexual um, feeds his dog I think I try not to set myself targets in terms of like especially when I move to buy this year because I didn't particularly know what my, my role in the side would be yeah um, I just uh, you know I think if I as long as I'm enjoying my uh, my cricket and you know, a few beers afterwards and stuff, I'm, I'm quite happy. I, think I always try and say I'd like to get you know, a couple of fifties in the season. Um, and if I get the overs, you know, a couple of threefers or whatever. And I think you know, I did that this year. I see it's doing most years. Yeah. Again for me. I don't, particularly, I, don't, I don't think like it probably like most cricketers do. I, I try and set myself a target of you know, winning two or three games for my team. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I did that last year. I seem, I seem to do it quite regularly. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, win, win, it, win two or three games for the, for the club this year, whether that's with a bat ball, you know, taking a you know, worldy catch, run out, something like that. I think either one, you know, as long as I can impact the team. Positively, I'm, I'm happi. Yeah, no, good. But you still, you still be weird. So I was just going to say, the way you bat, if you're getting a couple of fifties, you know, you're not, you're not dying wondering, and you're not pushing fifty singles. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think let's see if I can. I know, you know my my runs, my stats aren't ever going to be as as embellished as others because I, I don't bat for long enough periods. But I remember one of one of my best knocks last year was at, at Port Hill away and we had basically a, a set, half a side out uh, that week with ev- where everyone went on holiday uh, <laughs> so I think we had six or seven missing playing top of the table I think we were second at the time and you know I was at, at five and went in went in at a position where you know we were you know one, one ten to three me and JK were batting um, even though we, we were into the bad position if, if I'd have gone out you know and it potentially expose the people below. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, got got a little forty against you know Cotts and Azarola and, and the rest of the boys, and uh, and then we, we we got a, we got a score which meant that we weren't going to lose the game, even though we nearly did. Yeah. Um, you know, were uh, you know, ran us very close that day. You know, I think we got two fifty, two sixty, and thought we might have been home and hose, but Portillo were 
give it a real good chase and foul. I think nearly fourth last ball and didn't get it. It was a fantastic game of cricket. Yeah. But yeah, I was quite happy that day, even though we didn't win. I think my contribution was that they're a really important one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, good. Okay, well, uh, that wraps up the podcast. Thank you very much for sharing your, your Christmas walk with us. Uh, best luck for the season, not only for yourself, but uh, Blythe and uh, all the good blokes over there, Stannis, Planty, Finchy, Si Owen, uh, Beachy, all the boys. So uh, best of luck for that. Um, thank you very much for tuning in to today's podcast. Please, if you like what it is we've been talking about, please like, share, comment, do whatever it is that you can to get involved in the conversation. Uh, Alex is ever not sitting on a fence. If you got anything to say about the topics raised, please get involved. And I will see you very soon for part seven of the Norton and Ailes Cricket Club podcast.